This week on The Uncommon Truth, we're diving into another parable as we continue searching for what the kingdom of heaven is like. In Matthew 21, Jesus hits the Pharisees with a story about a hypothetical landowner and his rebellious tenants. It culminates in Jesus telling the religious leaders of the day that the kingdom they had been chosen to inherit was being taken from them and given to others who were willing to produce the fruit of the vineyard. So what does that mean for us today? And who do you identify with in this story? And how can we become people who inherit the kingdom? Stay tuned to find out. In this case, they wanted to be their own throne, their own king. And I think that amongst us, we would have to admit that our culture has caused us to want to sit on our own throne. And I think that's just super dangerous. And I think this revealing this to us in these parables is such mercy. It is such grace. And the reason he talks in parables, because having eyes they don't see and ears they don't, they don't hear. That's right. You're listening to The Uncommon Truth, a podcast about Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be. The Uncommon Truth is a podcast produced by the Father's House Church of Orville, California, and is available wherever podcasts can be found. If you missed an episode or want to share the show with a friend, visit uncommonpodcast.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to leave us a review. That helps us climb the charts so more people can find out about Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be. If you want to give us your feedback, you can email the show at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com and we'll try to feature your questions and comments in an upcoming episode. Finally, if you're looking to learn more about the Father's House Church, School of Transformation, or Life Recovery Ministries, visit fathershouseoroville.com. And now let's get into The Uncommon Truth. Welcome to The Uncommon Truth. My name is Max, and I'm rejoined by Stephen Vicky Orsillo, Senior Pastors of the Father's House Church. Mm. Welcome back to me. Welcome back to Vicky. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've been gone, it seems like, for a while. Yeah, we did. We had some overlapping vacations, and yes. we, Shrey and I escaped the summer heat, and Se- sort of. You didn't go to Seattle, you went up the hill. No, we so, just went, uh, yeah. we went camping at like 6,000 feet. It was amazing. Was it cool? It was really cool, was yeah. Nice. It, I like I like taking pictures of the night sky, and there's no light pollution and no moon out, and it was amazing. Gorgeous. I think I took. And as much as you love your kids, it's really uh, nice to be alone with your wife. Isn't yes, it? I we ditched them with the aunties. The distractions of children. It was very cool. That is nice. Yes. And no cell phone service, which was not totally planned, but very welcome. Yeah, thank you, God. And. Uh, yeah, it was just just I a rec- lot of fun. I recommend that to every couple that we, they take some time. We away kayaked, from. we stand up paddle boarded. Wow, not very well. They're those people. They are those we, people. We, those people. Yeah. we hiked on. We see those people. We saw you at Glacier. All you people. Yeah. you're the people. We're the ones that drive around. You're the ones that have the big backpacks yeah. and have talked yeah. about all the hikes, right? Well, Wouldn't I be. had a big backpack because I had stuff to carry, and Shreya had stuff to carry. Yeah, she didn't. So have a you carry those it. people. Yeah. We take we take a Yeti and leave it in our truck and that's all we take. Yeah. And we walk We take lawn chairs and sit sit and watch people walk by. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we got, watch you. We watch you guys <laughs> head up the trail. So we we did we like camping in a hammock or a tent, right? And we well, bring hammocks young. and stuff. But you guys did that too, right? We did a few weeks ago in by Yellowstone and we and then we did it twice um, for four days. We came back and bought a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're that we're at that age where we don't want to bend over all the time. It just really wasn't bad at all except what? For 
crawling out in the middle of the night to yep. relieve you know, yourself to yeah. to yeah. see the animals yes, that night. Hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a deer that kept walking right through our campsite. It was like Mr. Magoo was a deer, just, wow, just walked in, but wasn't afraid of us at all. And we were in the middle of nowhere, so it wow. wasn't like a big big like campsite or anything. But and then it would startle about five feet away from you. <laughs> And take off. <laughs> We're not going to tell you about the two goats we had in our yard yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't tell you about that. Your deer must have been blind. You might have more than two goats soon. <laughs> he came home to two goats, uh, just <clears throat> chilling on our lawn, <laughs> yeah. looking at Our us. dog scared him, and they took off running, looking over their shoulder at the dog, running right at us. <laughs> and so we jumped behind a pole, hoping the pole would save us. And just in time, they looked where they were going and darted <laughs> around us. A goat stampede in your own yard. Yes, we, we had a goat stampede in our own yard. Yeah. Yeah. So that was funny. But lovely Rosie got rid of him. Oh, that's good. Rosie. That's eventually. She's a dog, not a person. That's right. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. So anything else new? Anything going on with you, Vicky? No. It just seems like we've been really busy, and we're going to take the little trailer out on our maiden voyage next week. We're going to oh, just nice. go to Bucks Lake for a few days, and and uh, we're we're in the process of buying all the little things you need for a trailer and emptying my house out and trying to stock mm-hmm. it up and so we're I, i'm really excited i think it's way more work for steve and we're gonna take mark our son with us he's kind of excited so nice we'll see if the a trailer is indeed big enough for three large people yes yeah we might go for a bigger trailer <laughs> yeah well uh no. i've got my my old 1986 camper is getting the wiring done oh wow and uh then i came came to check on the progress and there's some new holes drilled all the way through to the outside not sure that's good uh well it'll be fun to to patch those up (laughs) so i mean with with aluminum sided campers from the 1980s that's how that's why we had to tear everything out of it because there were holes in it before and every time it rains then it pours inside too but yeah we're we're gonna enjoy it really got us excited to get our own van life going with our little four-cylinder toyota camper that can maybe make it up hills we're we're excited well, you're sm- you're, you and you know the, there's a lot of lighter. nice campgrounds that are downhill too yeah yeah <laughs> but it's funny because this this camper we only got because steve steve said he didn't want it i, I passed he I passed on the dolphin and now now look at we can have it's a ours dolphin. and i was criticized for passing on the dolphin and said no no you see how much work it is trouble i don't want the trouble i thought you might be looking at it a little bit enviously after after we pulled it in but yeah yeah, no. No, no. No, yeah. No. But, you know, we'll get it done, and then we might need it for more housing for the School of Transformation. Right. There you the go. How many, go. We're pretty good at getting as many people into one spot as possible. How many people, how many School of Transformation guys do you think we could get in? You don't want to say that because you're trying to get School of Transformation. Yeah, come on out. It's we have luxurious, well. luxurious um, places to stay for every person from around the world. Yes. Yes. Not, not including luxurious. your new trailer when you're not using it. No, uh, I don't think so. We, oh, we just, <laughs> the thing is, we just they just asked us uh, on the insurance if people would be living in it. We said no. Oh, shucks. Oh, it's against our bad. insurance. Well, that that semester is coming up here, so it's yeah. it's weird to think about. It starts at the very beginning of September. I think last weekend of August, maybe yeah, August thirtieth. So, um, yeah, if you if you've been listening to the podcast. Or maybe our new podcast, Refuse Ordinary, that the school is putting out. Oh, that's amazing. Um, then, and you're thinking about, hey, maybe that could be for me. There's actually three different ways you can get involved with School of Transformation. So we've always had the like the school here on campus. We're recording in the building right now here in Orville, uh, the School of Transformation, which I'm a student. 
And then there's also the past two year, year and a half, we've had SOT light, which has been huge, right? It's like, it's like, um, adult Sunday school on steroids, Correct. (laughs) like just amazing as far as like the life change Mm -hmm. involved. I get to do the camera for that and it's really cool. And, and that's available online too. So people can zoom in. So there's zoom classes and, and online classes. Those happen on Sunday mornings, but now we also have something coming up soon um, called SOT light on the move, which is going to be coming out in the fall as well. And that's like, that's like a video course that you can start, stop, play whenever you want uh, take it at your own speed wherever you can get an wow. internet connection. So that'd be, you, you guys could, will have could, to try it out on, in the in the camper. In yeah, the you guys can. Um, that if you're if you're in Mozambique or if you're in South Africa or in, in anywhere, even other able, ca- continents be, besides yeah. Africa, right? <laughs> Australia. Yeah. Can we name them all? All seven of them. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know how good the Wi-Fi is in Antarctica, but. You know, if your phone unfreezes, then maybe there too. But that's that's all the ways. So if you're if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, oh man, that sounds like a lot of cool stuff down there. Want to be a part of some of that life change? Check out uh, transformationschool.org, or check out the Refuse Ordinary podcast hosted by my sister-in-law, the lovely Tamara. Yes, who is stepping in for all our guys that usually do our filming and editing and stuff. Yeah, we're the we're the media department here this week. So <laughs> they're on vacation. Well, they're on vacation. Yos has gone too. Yos, they awesome. jumped and in a Ken. car and took off to yep. Pismo Beach. There you go. So I wanted to uh, get you guys another parable today. We've I love been parables. we've been doing um, this is episode eleven of season three, all about the kingdom of heaven is like, and most of those parables start out with the kingdom of heaven is like, and today's doesn't it it hides it in there at the back end and sort of drops at the punchline um but it's all about you know learning from jesus what the kingdom is like because we don't we often just like say well i assume the kingdom of heaven must be like this or um if i was going to make a kingdom of heaven if if i was god i would make the kingdom of heaven like this um, but it's been really eye-opening just seeing what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, <laughs> because um, yeah, you know it's all it's pretty pretty sad when you you go through Christianity for half your life and then you realize the kingdom of heaven is not like you imagined it. So hopefully you're not there, but if you are, we got good news because Steve and Vicky are gonna break it down for us. There we go. Um, so I wanted to talk to you guys about the parable of the tenants, which is found in Matthew 21. <clears throat> And I'm going to start it off in verse 33, and uh, I'm going to read it in my podcast voice for you guys out of Steve's favorite, the NASB, and, um, and I'll just go into it here. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower, and he leased it to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his fruit. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they did the same things to them. But afterwards, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take possession of his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, this is Jesus still talking, what will he do to those vine growers? 
and these are the Pharisees answering him, the, the folks he was addressing, he, they said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the fruit in the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures a stone which the builders rejected? That is, This has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and on whomever it falls it will crush him. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they understood he was speaking about them. And although they sought to arrest him, they feared the crowd, since they considered him to be a prophet. Oh boy. So... (laughs) There's a lot there, oh and uh, as we've been seeing in the in this series of parables, it's not always pleasant, um, but it is, I appreciate it's full of irony, because I love that punchline. He, he, it's not even Jesus who's delivering the punchline. They deliver the punchline for yeah, him, that's right. and then they realize it was about them, and it's just like... Wow, I don't think I don't think you could write that. I don't think you could like make that stuff up if you were going to be writing the Bible. Say you wanted to make your own Bible, it'd be pretty hard to make that mm-hmm. <laughs> make that up. But I can't imagine being the the person who just outed themselves in front of Jesus and said, "Oh, this is what they should do. He should do to these people." And it's me. Have, <laughs> oops, that's me. So and it's interesting that they didn't. That they didn't. Their response was so they understood. He was speaking about them, and, and it seems like when, hopefully when he speaks about me and I have a revelation, I wouldn't want to kill him. I'd want to change. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, the response to me is so amazing that they, they you know, they, it said they understood that he was speaking about them, and then we, they, when they saw it to seize him, they, they, that's when, you know, they started, the thought of killing him, I'm sure, you know, is part of this a lot in the, in the, in the parables, but it's like they had the wrong response. Yeah. Because when we meet Jesus... And he or he says something to us. It's time to change, not mm. kill the messenger. Yeah. The message. So, Steve, who who are we talking about here? So we've got a vineyard. We've got the vine growers, or like the tenants yeah. uh, that are working in the vineyard. We've got messengers, and we've got the landowner's son. So who like who are these people? Well, for it's people really who never read the Bible. Or first and foremost, it's clear you're talking. You got the guilty, mm-hmm. and um, so. It's easy to say this is about Israel, this is about history, but really what it is, is what the vineyard is that is the stone that you fall on and it breaks you to pieces in the end is that you're the chosen one. And everybody wants to be the chosen one, but if you're going to be the chosen one, are you going to live up to the chosenness? Hmm. Now, these guys are um, living in a time, their, their clan, the, the Levites, have been doing this forever and they're not only chosen as Israel but they're chosen as Levites they're chosen as priests and Pharisees hmm. they are this this upper class of close to God people that everyone's supposed to listen to be taught by and follow and so really he's talking about um, this being chosen the vineyard is You've been chosen you're to, to, to operate in God's vineyard, and you, when it's time to produce, when it's time to return a fruitful harvest, you beat the servants that are sent to take it, and then you kill the son, that whole story. And here's what didn't happen. 
when they, they pronounce judgment on themselves, then they realize he's talking about them. They didn't say, when did we, Amen. you know, they, when did right. we beat the prophets? When did we beat the servants? When did we not give God his due? Hmm. And when did we kill his son? Because, see, the son part hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. And so they did not fight against it. They knew they had not lived up to their chosenness. They're calling. Mm, they're wow, calling. That's, that's interesting because he said and they killed, they killed his son. And he wasn't and, gone yet. And yet right at the end, it made them mad enough to actually want to kill him. Want kill to him. Kill him. Wow. Yeah, but they don't know. They, they're not recognizing him as the it's son the yet. Yeah. And so they're, they're not living up to their own calling and they're self-fulfilling this prophecy. And the, the interesting one is that he says the stone which the builders rejected doesn't even make any sense to this line. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, did you never read in the scriptures after they said a wretched end for this wretched person? You know, and someone else will be given this who will actually produce a, a, a fruit and return it to the master. Mm-hmm. Wow. He, he reads a stone which the builders rejected. And then says, upon this stone that the builders rejected, a person will fall and it will kill them, it will crush them. And what I believe Jesus is talking about is when you're chosen, you are supposed to bear fruit. When you are chosen to carry talents, when you are chosen to be bridesmaids, when you are chosen to bear fruit, you are supposed to live up to your chosenness. But this stone that the builders rejected will be a temple to you. It'll be a marvel to you. It'll be the son of God come to save you, or it'll be the stone that you break on. Wow. Hmm. And so people love to be chosen. They love to be called, but it's so difficult, especially in 21st century. I can't imagine what it was for them in the fourth century, one first century, I'm sorry. Um, in the first century to be chosen is a completely different idea. We, we look at it. I mean, we're, we're talking about a whole different language. And here at the Father's house, my goal, my life, my love is for people to understand what they've tied into. And I'm constantly saying we work for Jesus. Let's, we're doing the, don't, don't you love what we get to do for Jesus? And there's, there's, there's a labor to it. There's a task to it. There's a, you, you accept um, a lot of stuff. Like maybe you're never going to be able to buy a house if you do this. Maybe you're never going to fit into society. Maybe you're never going to live up to the American dream. And all the other mythical things that have been placed in your mind that did determine success or not in everything other than being chosen, being called. I have been chosen. I do not get why I get to be a Christian, why mm-hmm. I've been a lifetime of being able to say I walk with Jesus. He lives in me. He's made his home in me. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Makes me chosen. And what is it they're not doing? They're not returning fruit to the master. Wow. And so they haven't taken seriously their calling. And the, and, the, and the whole story is about these guys who didn't take seriously their chosenness. And they did not return to God his due. And he's going to give it to somebody else, which benefits me because I'm the somebody else he offered it to. You are too. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at in this. The the, the players are very simple to read. It's like any the, the, the children of Israel were chosen out of whatever amounts of people there were to be called the children of Israel, the people of God, the nation of God. And he protected them, walked with them, fed them, gave them drink, picked out land for them, 
visited them and lived in their land in the Ark of Covenant. He, he had his presence there. David's tabernacle was, was you know, worship for 36 years straight. I mean, he was there with them. And they did not produce fruit for him. They did not return the fruit they were supposed to return, which was the, which what is that fruit? It's our life poured into his purpose and returning to him worship, returning to him holiness, returning to him righteousness. And they would not do that. They taught the precepts of men as the doctrines of God. They led men astray. In fact, they said, if you follow, if Jesus said in one place, if you follow these guys, it'd almost be po- impossible for you to find God. They got it so screwed up. Wow. And these are the Levites. And, and it was set up for them to be able to go into a room and feel, hear, and see God the way you and I can feel, hear, and see God. They were chosen at a time when that wasn't common. And they, they were chosen to be able to do this, to what was called minister unto the Lord every day of their life. And the rest of the people would bring them food, would take care of them, meet all their needs. And it turned into they started stealing from all the people. They started lording over all the people. And what they're supposed to do as chosen people, in the chosen children, they are the chosen people amongst the chosen people. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to minister to the Lord so that the other 90% will be blessed in their life and give a portion like 10% to take care of them so that they could minister unto the Lord so that the harvest would come in due season, that the fruit and the fullness would be plenty. And this story is about them not living up to the choosing and not staying the course. And I hear that, you know, in Christianity today, our biggest problem trying to be anyone who tries to lead anything in Christianity is leaders who take the, the choosing and the calling to, to an understanding of privilege Power. instead of have to. I mean, it really isn't uncommon for someone even to say to me, all we do is work or I have, I have to work all the time. And it's like, yeah, but you don't have to. You were actually chosen to work all the time. You were called. You were called to do these things to serve the people and look at the people we're serving. Look at how they're being blessed. Look at how they're, how they're growing. Look at how they're eating at the trough of God's presence. I mean, if you want intimacy with God, if a church is right, and I'm hoping the Father's house has this, there is a place. We have a dining hall for the Spirit of God to come in and feast of his presence and feast of his love and feast of his word and truth and and then go back out in the world and work tirelessly to make it make to to pave the road for others to make it to that feast go out and in the byways and highways to invite them in the you know the tell them there's a feast ready for them tell them what kind of clothes to wear we're, we're, we're working tirelessly to try to get the message to them you've been invited you've been chosen to come to a feast don't mm-hmm. be like these pharisees who did not take their choosing rightly they did not they did not weigh it out properly and they they, they tortured the servants and in the end in the end as revealed in here the stone which the builders rejected broke them they broke on it and and I just, you know, he gives them a chance later in the Bible to, he tells them in history, there'll be another chance for them to pick up the pieces and go ahead and accept their choosing. He, he said he loved them. Go ahead and accept this responsibility of being his love, being his, lo- you know, laid down lover. You, you're supposed to be my servant. 
You're going to get another chance to be my servant, and this time you won't fail. And he does that a lot. He did it with Peter when Peter denied him three times. He said, when you're old, they'll bind you. They'll take you where you don't want to go. And what he's telling him is, Peter, you're going to get another shot at this, and you're going to succeed. You're going to, you're going to succeed. You're going to glorify God with your life. And that's, you know, for me, it's like scary, man. Is that what you call glorifying God with your life? Is that you have to be taken in bindings to where you don't want to go and be tortured? Oh, my gosh. And it's just like it's a choice, you know. Not everybody who chooses it gets it, and I don't want it. And yet I, I say yes, whatever your will is. Well, your will, I've been chosen. And that's what I say about my ministry. That's what I say about being my a husband to her. Um, I've been chosen to be her husband. I take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And when I sit with my kids and they get a little rowdy about, you know, I failed them here, I did this right or I did this wrong, I'm always telling them the problem you have is I was there. And I know how no I know no man has ever tried harder to accept the calling of being your dad, no or anyone's dad. I tried really hard to be, I worked really hard at being dad, and I worked really hard at being pastor. I worked really hard at being youth pastor. When I was a follower, when I was a, a associate pastor, I took the calling seriously, and yet I may not have produced the fruit that he was, you know. And I know I didn't beat the servants, I didn't kill the son, <laughs> but yeah. It is speaking in a way that tells you, I'm so lucky to be chosen, and I so much do not want to fail my chosenness. I've been called. I've been chosen. I've been set apart for a purpose. All those words about set apart for purpose, holiness, the church called out for a special reason, the, the, the holy set apart for a purpose. I mean, it's just such an important thing, this parable. And those guys got trapped in their own story, and they proclaimed their own sentence. They'll be thrown out. And, and the least, what they were promised, what they were given in this choosing will be given to someone else. I mean, oh, my heart breaks for those guys. Sure, they got mad. They didn't want to admit it. They didn't go, oh, you know, oh, we're so sorry. And they didn't say, when did we do that? What are you talking about? Once they realize he's talking about them, he goes, well, you're talking about us? When did we do that? No, they got all self-righteous, and they continued to violate, and he just healed a bunch of people in front of them. Mm. He, just, he just did a whole bunch of good miracles, and they saw that there's his power. So they knew it, that, what he, that, he, that there's something going on here, but they just got self-righteous, and they continued to betray their calling, mm. their chosenness, their birthright. Their birthright was Levite. My goodness. Anyway. Yeah, when I, when I think about that chosenness, um, so I've always thought of this as like, okay, well, they failed, stupid Pharisees. I would have understood, yeah. right? I would I would have made the right choice. And the more I read the the New Testament, the more I realized I probably would have made the exact same choices. In most cases, we already didn't make right different choices. Yeah. it's so it's so parallel. There's always a parallel, and in, in this chosenness. I can just look at you and say, you're, you've been called. You've been chosen. You know, we've been called. We've been chosen. I can tell, I'll confess for us. I'm going to point you out. We have failed that calling in many different ways at many different times. We're just so fortunate to live at a time where the blood of Jesus, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from every unrighteousness. And we get mulligans. And in our life, you know, we try to keep that way down, that sin. We, we intend to never sin, but we, we do. And when we do, we pray forgiveness. And we try to 
we try to patch up the cracks we make. You know, mm. we we work tirelessly to make sure that other people can get to the Lord. But John the Baptist ministry makes straight the way to the Lord. We try so hard to make sure that we aren't in the way yeah. and that our calling and our chosenness allows us to open doors and make pathways for people to find Jesus and follow him. Mm. Good. Vicky, when I I wanted to ask you, so when I used to read this and think, okay, well, now they failed, I probably wouldn't have failed where they failed. Now it's now the kingdom's given to me. I would almost take that chosenness now. Okay, they were they were chosen, they failed. Now now I'm chosen over them, as if as like, okay, well now I'm good because I've been chosen. But is that really what it's saying? Well, I, I, no, I don't think so, because like Steve just said, it's um, in our lives. We probably would have done the same things I think you said, too. And I think the, the warning to me that stands out is Jesus said, did you never read in the scriptures? <laughs> and I'm these like, guys knew it, too. Uh-huh, and, it, and, and the fascinating thing to me is that what Steve said right away, I kind of took the wind out of my, out of my I think we both audibly gasped, is I, I kind of, I, I forgot that Jesus is still there when, he's telling the story they hadn't killed him yet yeah which is interesting because it's like it's not because you're you're reading if you know post post jesus you know being alive yeah, and you're post crucifixion yeah. yeah yeah and you're thinking oh and i that never assimilated yeah. that 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 it was really he was telling him something and um i just think when we get wise in our own eyes when we think we've made it when we think we know everything i think we're in real danger and I think at times we've, we've all struggled with that. I got it, I got it, I got it. And it's like, no, did you never read in the scriptures? And then he just goes on, and then, and then the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables. They understood what he was speaking to them. And I just, it's like, what is our response when he speaks to us? Mm. You know, obviously, you know, every parable we had, it's, it's like, and, and that's how you, the Heavenly Father will treat you, and that's how it'll be taken away from you and given to the one that's producing much. And the, the um, Levites or the Pharisees, they weren't producing anything. They were just replicating. They're just making their kingdom bigger. And I don't. I think we have to be really careful um, whose kingdom we're building in all of us, because we, you know, we suffer with arrogance, or you know, or, or building our own kingdom, or you know, look at me, look what I did, you know. And I think that's a real pharisaical um, idea. Look what I did. And it's like we must decrease so he increases. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been kind of like the lifelong pursuit of me is I'm a very extroverted person. And it's like, hey, look at me, look at me. You know, that's kind of my operating. But I must decrease so he de- he increases. So I think your question would be, yeah, we're, we're all in um, the crosshairs of this one. And every parable, they've been so fascinating to me. Uh, you know, because it's so, so clear. And did you never read the scriptures? It's kind of like to all of us, did you never read the scriptures? Have you never read in context the gospels? Because they're so clear what he is saying to us mm-hmm. and how we should live. And the cho- being the chosen, they were the chosen. They decided to live the way they wanted to live. And now we're the chosen. It's like, who are you going to listen to? How to yeah. live? So I just I don't know if that clear that was the answer or not, but it, yeah, it's like it's it's not enough just to be chosen. No, it's right? not enough. And that's I think that's, that's where my Christianity early on went wrong was saying mm-hmm. I have made the choice. I I unlike these Pharisees, I knew I know who Jesus is, and I'm going to say I know who he is, and 
then I left, you know, you just leave it at that a lot of times. And, and you, you, that I've made it sort of moment of like, well, I've, it's it, as, it's as if just saying who Jesus is, is enough. and stating the fact that Jesus is the son of God and he died on the cross, that's going to be enough for me to ace the test of, mm-hmm. you know, I've chosen life. and, and now I've, now I've made the right decision. I think that's such a fantastically superlative, important thing is that I think so many Christians have decided that they're chosen. They, they went to an altar, they asked Jesus in their life, and that's really all they need to do. You know, it's, it's like, no, you're chosen. That's kind of what the Pharisees did. It's like when you read, you, you know, Jesus gave his life, and then you read his, his, um, about his, his disciples, his apostles, they didn't stop giving once they recognized who he was. They followed, and then once the Holy Spirit came, they, they gave their life away, like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I think I, a lot of Christian Christians I've met, it's like one and done, like you're saying. You know, it's okay that I know in my heart that Jesus is Lord, but we really don't live like Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. We're still Lord. And I think that's what the Pharisees, the Pharisees and Sadducees absolutely live like they're, they're Lord and not Jesus. Would you agree? Yes, yes, absolutely. The uh, part of the story that is so often not, and even us, we're not, we're not, we're kind of glimpsing over it, but it's time to look at it is when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to receive its fruit. This is fruit he's due. Fruit that's ripe, fruit he's due. So it wasn't just the beating of the servants. No one knows why they did that because the servants came to get the harvest. It's that they didn't want to. They wanted to keep it for themselves. On either almost. they wanted to keep it for themselves, which so, you know, Hollywood, the Chosen movie, the Chosen shows, all the movies, all of our thoughts as we read this, our distaste for lust, Pharisees and scribes, all comes from our attitude that they were trying to keep the power and the honor for themselves. Wow, mm-hmm. that's good. And I think that the fruit and the harvest in this is the power and the honor in their lives. The people looking to them, not looking to God, mm-hmm. and not worshiping them, not worshiping God, and we still have that today. You know that um, we we have heroes of all different kinds that would walk in the room and stop the show. They would stop a church service, you know, and they're immoral, or and they could be basketball players or baseball players or actors or singers, rock stars, you know, and they can stop the show because we look to men, and those. That, that's a dangerous place to be. And in this story, it's about being chosen by God. So it's more the church. Does the church produce the worship and the honor to God? Back when COVID was going on and we were discussing the church being essential or not essential. Well, in my opinion, the church abdicated its essentialness because people don't come to the church for help because mm-hmm. they don't get help when they go to the church. The yeah. church has all developed a hundred years ago. The church started developing all these rules. Why it doesn't give to people who comes to its doors. And so the, the church began to look to the church. The, the church began to look to its own honor and its own power and its own, you know, savings accounts and to make sure we take care of ourselves and to make sure we look, we look out for our own future. You know, we have our savings, we have our, Backfall. We have our, uh, you know, our, our building fund and our mission fund mm-hmm. and all these things. And, uh, and we save up a year and a half's worth of bills and all of those kinds of things that make us way more pharisaical than, than we should be. Mm-hmm. Way more like this, 
these vineyard workers, these vineyard renters, you know, these tenants of this vineyard who, who refused the harvest due the vineyard owner, which is honor, integrity, the, the throne, being on the seat of the throne of our church, our country, our lives, our businesses, right. our families, on the seat of the throne. And in this case, they wanted to be their own throne, their own king. And I think that amongst us, we would have to admit that our culture has caused us to want to sit on our own throne. And I think that's just super dangerous. And I think this revealing this to us in these parables is such mercy. It is such grace. Mm -hmm. And the reason he talks in parables, because having eyes they don't see and ears they don't they don't hear. That's right. And he said, blessed are you who have ears to hear and eyes to see. And so those of us that look at this want to make sure we're not just brushing this aside, you know, saying, ah, there's no responsibility on me. It was for them, not us. Yeah. It really clarifies it because in this one it actually says they understood exactly what he said. Yeah. Yeah. But they, the ears to hear was... It seems more about like willingness to put it into practice. Or I don't think they understood what he said. They understood who he was talking about. Yeah. Okay. And the overall story is you get thumped and you've been thumping people. Now you get your thumping. Mm-hmm. You, you've been abusing people and you've been ignoring God. Now you're going to be ignored. Someone else is going to take your blessing that was promised to you from the beginning of time. Someone's going to wow. take what was your portion. They understood that. Yeah. I don't think they really understood what they'd done wrong. They just know he's saying it's they're the bad tenants. Yeah. And I and I don't think they understood the depth of their rejection of God. They're trying to steal God's honor, trying to put themselves in a place of priesthood that was more important than it. And when, when he was trying to tell them what Jesus told them over and over was really that it's it's the servant of all. Your position your position is not so that you can be praised. Your position is so that you can give others a place in God's kingdom, so you can help others bear fruit and, and bring them to a godliness of righteousness and giving honor to God instead of bringing them to a place of worshiping you mm. and giving honor to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what he's telling them. You know, The fruit that we're looking for is honor to God with your life. Praise to God with your life. And that's so much more than singing songs in a church. And what you're trying to do is draw it all to you. So all men look to you for everything and listen to you for everything. And instead of going to him, that's a very careful thing for all of us to do is make sure that whatever control we have in people's lives, it's to bring them to a point of learning how to honor God and worship God, give God all the credit. And it might be hold my hand and don't let go, you know, like don't come with me. I'm going to show you how not to be a baby. I'm going to show you how to grow up in Christian thinking, but I'm taking you ultimately to him so that your life is honor to him. It's praise to him. It's glory to him, which is what the fruit of the vineyard is. It's the worship and honor and glory to God from our lives lived on earth. And he that's really what he was doing. And I don't think those guys really would have understood to a point of even if they'd have said, show us, they still wouldn't have really got it because they were so entrenched in their own honor and glory. Mm-hmm. And a few of them did. You know, Nicodemus was struggling. And we hope, we, we believe historically Nicodemus did it. We think he helped, you know, in, in the end. 
and other guys, other other wealthy aristocrats got it, you know, but we don't know. Most of them were just so stuck in their, the, we have been called, we have been chosen. Thank God you know me mm-hmm. instead of thank God you are his people. You know, just hum, humble yourself before the Lord and love him. That's what he wants. Mm-hmm. All about humility, isn't it? Yeah. So it is a humble position, yeah, it's yes. it's a very humble position. Yeah. Jesus seemed pretty upset with the Pharisees that <laughs> having finally got there, the he was the Messiah that they've been waiting for. Nobody really seemed to, like, who's this guy <laughs> walking around? Like, aren't you the son of, of Joseph the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter's son from Galilee? Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were supposed to be the ones that were watching over to tell the people when the Messiah came, and, and they sort of swung a mist, right? So um, that brought me to a question, and I was wondering today, if we're now the chosen people, are we, as as people in the church, are we ready for him to come back? Because he's said he's going to, and we don't want, if we're now the chosen people in charge of making sure other people know him, are we going to swing and miss now, or are we ready to, to recognize him when he comes back? Well, I'm hoping, I'm, I hope I recognize him. I'm, that's been my life journey. I don't want to miss him. Um, Though I can't say that I haven't missed, you know, swung and missed at times when he's probably said something to me and I haven't followed, followed it up. I, I don't know. My, um, my caution as I, we drive around the nation, go around the world, is I think there's a confusing message of who Jesus is. I think um, there's been all kinds of altars made to a whole bunch of different um, theologies and different people in the Bible, in my opinion, we want to, you know, we want to, we want to look at the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and I just had a conversation with a guy at a yogurt shop, and he said that we totally dismiss the Old Testament and we don't believe in it, and that's not true at all. We believe in the whole wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. We believe in the whole, the whole, um, what's it called? The, the, the whole the tentative whole, scripture, the whole yeah. counsel of God. Yeah, we believe in it all, and we believe the Old Testament is is we should absolutely historically look at that, and it points to Jesus, and it tells you who God is, and God says. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. However, I, you know, I became a Christian on on May um, May second, nineteen seventy nine. I asked Jesus into my life. He came into my life. He took away my sins. I recognized I was poor, p- blind, pitiful, you know, whatever, and I recognized that I was a sinner. And I didn't know that till two o'clock in the morning. So my life's goal is to find out who Jesus is and who that makes me. Now. I do read the Old Testament to find out who God is because he doesn't change. He changes not. But I look to the words of Jesus like these in Matthew of how I should then live. And I think I think my um, hesitation is it seems like it's a very confusing message that we're chosen, we don't do anything. And as I read Jesus in context, I just don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. For all, you know, I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying there's there seems to be a confusion, a slumber, over the uh, over the United States for sure, and Canada. Oh, I think um, there's a slumber into the words of Jesus. He's very pointed. He's very diligent. He can be Jesus can be kind of hostile in what he says when he like even the, this one is pretty it's pretty cut mm-hmm. and dry as to you know all the parables and this is how my the heavenly Father will treat you. So I I hope I wouldn't miss him. Um, I, that's my life goal that I would finish the race and and see him face to face either 
here or when I die. So I don't know if it answers that. You probably have. I think that we, our goal on earth, our calling this, what we're called for is to try to help as many people get there as we can. To know him. All you can really do is lead them to water and show them this is what Jesus teaches. And Jesus himself said that his words acted upon is the foundation that the wind's blowing, life happening, crazy things. Uh, Your house will stand. And I think that that's what Paul meant when he said that we'll be tested by fire and, you know, our salvation will stand. Is that, that is assuming you've, you've followed the Christian teaching and listened to the gospel that he taught you. And he mentioned that a few times where he says the gospel that I taught you will save you. Any other gospel and you believe yeah. in vain. That's right. And that's the fear is that people believe in vain. And I think there's, I mean, it's scary this world where everybody listens to themselves. Everyone hears for themselves, reads for themselves, interprets for themselves, and you end up with. I thought it was bad when there were like 80 denominations. Hmm. Now almost every single human is their own Christian interpretation, their own ability to follow rightly. Mm-hmm. And that just isn't, isn't my uh, understanding of the body, the, the, the description of the body of Christ. We're supposed to be connected. There's supposed to be heads. There's supposed to be elders and deacons and pastors and leaders. There are those who speak prophetically from God, and there are those who interpret for God. And it's just we're supposed to follow these things. We're supposed to call the elders when we have needs and have them pray for us. It's it's just not—that's just not the case anymore. There's The idea of holding someone in eldership is missing all over the world. It's not gone. I mean, there's still a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But it's what's under attack. And people are just breaking off and saying, well, I just don't. The Holy Spirit tells me I follow him, not a church. Yeah. Well, that's a complete misnomer. The, the Holy Spirit, you find a church with the Holy Spirit and following the church is following the Holy Spirit. And then to say that your own individual interactions with the Holy Spirit is different than any church around. That's a little scary. You might be a little worried about, are we making it? Are yeah. we living up to our chosenness? Are we living up to our calling and our purpose to lead people to Jesus and have them help them follow him, lead them from babyhood to mature Christian adults instead of people who are like Pharisees, scribes, and elders in this day who were leading people away from God, mm-hmm. not towards God, teaching the precepts of men as the doctrines of God. Yeah. I think that's where we're at today, and it's scary as heck. And our the way Vicky and I accept our calling is our whole purpose is just to shine the light where the truth lies, ask you to read it, and read it over and over, and, and stop reading anything else. Stop putting your own opinion into it. Just read what he says three or four times. Get a foundation in the Gospels alone. And you, I, I have yet to find anybody who doesn't come along and start talking just like I'm talking, thinking like I'm thinking, believing like I'm believing, and start searching in the same way and coming to the same conclusions. Then we add the epistles, which are somewhat confusing because of who they're talking to. So context, again, mm-hmm. is super important. But once that foundation with Jesus is there, those epistles start to really drive us, that we start to get blown by the wind of the Holy Spirit. Our sail, we set sail the Holy Spirit pushes us. And what I find is he pushes a body, a team, a group, a, a, a ants at a picnic to go and swarm and make straight the path to Jesus, make straight with a light on a hill. How do you get to us? Look for the light on the hill. It's beautiful. Look into the light. 
That movie was wrong about the bugs not looking into the light. <laughs> Look yeah. into the light and follow the light and come to it and you will be the light mm. to others. That's good. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for for this time. Sound like a soundbite to me. That was great. Yeah. yeah. We got a we don't have our our soundbite picker, so oh. I have to go back. So maybe You'll I'll just to- one. You can do it. I trust I you. I can do it. I've been doing it for a while. You're amazing. So it was so good to have both of you guys together again. So good to keep talking about with reunited. the kingdom. Yeah, reunited. It feels, it feels so, so good. good. Right? <laughs> Are we over? Almost. We're almost he's, done. He's still talking. We're still live. <laughs> it's been so good just to have both of you guys here. And uh, we'll let you guys get back to picking out the curtains for your camper very soon. I'm going to go do the same, actually. We don't need campers. We have level lures. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> All right, we well, love you guys. Thank you so much. Are we done yet? And we'll <laughs> we're done. We'll see you next week on Bye-bye. the Uncommon Truth. God bless you. Amen. You've been listening to the Uncommon Truth. Thank you so much for making us a part of your podcast routine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today, and would love to get your feedback. You can tell us what you think about today's show at Uncommon Truth Podcast at Gmail you can also get in touch to ask questions for Steve and Vicky or suggest a subject you'd like to hear covered. Either way, we'd love to feature your comments on an upcoming episode. If you're new to the show or just haven't done so yet, please take a moment to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps push the show up the charts so more people can find us. If you know someone who would enjoy the types of conversations that happen on The Uncommon Truth, click share on the podcast app of your choice or send them to uncommonpodcast.com. Until next time, have a great week and keep running after Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be.